you all feeling a little crazy after the weather swings up and down? Um, did any of you enjoy the fog last night? It was absolutely beautiful at night. I took the dog out and all the street lights were glowing. It was so amazing. Fog is one of my favorite things. <laughs> all right, so we are going to begin this morning with the message and the reading from the Word. And we've been this year going through the life of Jesus and trying to glean from it. How can we pattern our lives after who Jesus was and what he did? So we're going to continue on with that today. And I'm going to be reading, uh, to start out with, from Mark 14. And I'm going to skip certain parts of it, um, but you'll all fill you in so you're familiar with what's going on. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration they agreed or the people may riot. So at this point in the chapter, we have the story of the woman who anoints Jesus' head with perfume. Beautiful story. And then it continues from there. Um, sorry. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come and promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And after this, we have then the miracle preparation of the upper room and the Lord's Supper that Ben spoke about last week. Um, So then from there, it says, then they, after the upper room and the meal they shared together, it says, then they sang a hymn and went to the Mount of Olives. And Luke here says, as usual, they went up to the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus told them, quoting Zechariah 13, 7, all of you will desert me for scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means pressing or crushing, like you would crush olives to get olive oil, or you would crush grapes for wine. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even for one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Oops, sir. <laughs> um, when he returned to them again the third time, he said, 
When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. For they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. Hey, we're ashamed, I think. And also, in this part, Luke talks about how when Jesus came back, he had sweated blood. And physicians talk about this, that it is possible. And they're not totally sure why or how, but it has been recorded other times other than Jesus in this passage. Of people under great duress and great stress, sweating blood. And it's, they think it's part of the fight-or-flight mechanism of our body, and this like great wrestling and wrangling happening inside someone, and, and it causes this. When Jesus returned to them a third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Ah, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he explained, teacher and gave him a kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked them, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scripture says about me. Then all of his disciples deserted him and ran away. Let's pray. (laughs) Again, Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this place. I thank you that you have given us your word as something that we can turn to for hope, for understanding of who you are, for learning about who you are as God. And I just ask that you would open up all of our hearts today to hear what you would say to us. And I thank you that your grace is great. In your name. So I want to talk a little bit about the first part of Jesus' prayer. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the betrayal. He knew the pain, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. He knew what was happening, and his humanity didn't want to do it. I don't think any of us would choose, except maybe childbirth, (laughs) pain. We don't... We like comfort, we like peace, we like it easy. And, but Jesus knew that this was going to happen. And so a question that I want you to ponder this today, maybe this week, is what if Jesus, this prayer, was answered? What if this part of Jesus, don't let this happen to me, 
What if that part of Jesus' prayer was answered? If his father had chosen to answer that prayer, the story that God had set into motion of wanting to redeem people and bring them to him would be an end right there. So the title of today's message is The Unanswered Prayer. And we're going to talk, we're going to go through these two parts of Jesus' prayer today of let this cup pass and then, but know that your will be done. Because we want to look to God for our example. What does Jesus do when he is facing something that he doesn't want to face? Well, let's talk about what we can learn from this just right off the bat. We need to go to Father God when we're facing insurmountable challenges. Now, Jesus, as we saw earlier, and I referenced that John said that going to the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, was something that they regularly did. And we see in other parts of Scripture that Jesus would often go away from people and spend time with his Father and get refueled and refreshed so that he could continue on on his life journey with being filled with what he needed. And so we need to have a regular practice of going before God. But then we also need to, when, especially when we're facing something difficult, do it even more. More time in the presence of God. More time seeking him. The second part is we need to invite other people into this process. Now this is a little tricky with this passage because we see in a sense spoke last night that how Jesus was betrayed by the people that had spent so much time with him. But God did design for us to live life with other people. The disciples couldn't stay awake and all of them abandoned him in the end. But who was always with us and always listening? God, right? No person on earth understands truly what we are feeling when we're going through something. They can't. We can go through something even similar or through the same circumstances side by side with someone. The loss of someone in our family or something, and it affects both of us, but it's going to affect every person differently. And so no one's truly going to understand what you are going through, but... God is there in the midst of it, and he can see your emotions. He can see your heart. He can see what it is that you're going through. Not everyone you speak to will believe you. Jesus experienced this, right? He had talked about his coming death to the disciples, and they couldn't fathom it. They couldn't wrap their brain around it. And so there are going to be people that you are going to talk to, maybe even about Jesus, <laughs> that cannot wrap their brain about. They cannot understand it. They're not going to believe what you say. And some people just don't know what to do. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to help someone and you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, and you just kind of freeze? <laughs> Sometimes people just don't know what to do, and so they either back up or they say silly funny things because they're they love you but they're not quite sure what to do and so this process of letting people into our lives can be difficult 
But we see from Jesus that it mattered to him. That even someone who is 100% man and 100% God invited other people into his circle. We need to do the same. We need to remember that not only was Jesus heading into physical pain, but emotional pain. Because from the beginning of time, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, from before time became a thing, the three of them were in this beautiful, perfect relationship together. None of us know what that truly means because none of us have ever had a perfect relationship, right? I, I definitely haven't. And so Jesus knew that part of this process meant that when he died on the cross and the sins of every person of humanity before us and after us and us included would be placed on him, that the Father would turn, turn away because God in his holiness cannot be around sin. And so the Father was going to look away from him that perfect relationship that had been going on for eternity was going to be severed. In that moment. Now, right? Not permanently. Not permanently because Jesus' blood washes away that sin, and then we, He and the Father are reunited in the, in the Holy Spirit, and we can be reunited with them. But Jesus knew that that perfect relationship that He relied on was going to be broken for a while. And so that's also where that pain of, let this cup pass from me. But then we see the next part of the prayer. Yet, so here is what I'm feeling. Here is what I'm struggling with. Here is what hurts. Here is what I don't want to do. Yes, I want your will, Father, to be done, not mine. This is the beginning of the end of Jesus' time on earth. So this past Wednesday, a driver drove into the inner harbor. I don't know how many of you saw this. Yeah. And you can see he's in that car right there. That it saw under the water and he was in the car. And a bunch of people just stood around looking. And the sous chef from Philip's Seafood was just leaving work. And he saw what happened, ran to the edge of the water, jumped in broke the windshield of the car, pulled the driver out, and people on the side had finally <laughs> woke up. And they threw one of the life rings that you see that are all over. They were able to pull the man out and get him to safety. Later, they pulled this car out. You can see the broken windshield. And so, the amazing thing was, so they, they, they were both okay. Um... The marketing director of Phillips, who knew the Susha, said it was a natural thing for him to do, jumping in and saying someone, because it was just part of his character. Jesus was willing to go through everything for us because it's part of his character. He couldn't not do it. Even though his flesh and his spirit or wrangling, being willing to do this is part of his character. So what else can we learn from Jesus in this passage? We need to surrender to the will of God. 
right? If Jesus is our example, then that's the next part of what he went through. So, surrender is choosing to allow God to do what he wants with us, his children. Not a fun definition. (laughs) It's really not. And this idea of surrender is where we grapple with what is, what we wish was, and what God knows is best for us. So I'm going to read that again. Surrendering to God is where we grapple, we fight, we wrestle with what is currently going on in our life, with what we wish was happening in our life, and what God knows is best for us. This is an ugly cry situation. (laughs) When you get to this place in your life where you wrestle with God, where you finally come to that place of absolute surrender, it's ugly cry. And I know this because I've done this. (laughs) It's tears and snot and red face and exhaustion. And it's all of you in this process. And sometimes we also see this with Jesus, that the process of surrender repeats himself, repeats itself, right? Because what does Jesus do? We see that at least three times he said this prayer. Jesus, please don't let let this happen, but your will be done. So even Jesus was having to surrender and surrender, and surrender. Sometimes we have to do this a few different times, and even a few times throughout your life, if not a few times just in the one moment. So the next thing that we should learn from Jesus is we must not allow others who have hurt us or our circumstances to prevent us from wholly coming to the Father and doing His will. So this is a hard one, right? Because as humans, we have this tendency to want to be right, to look right, to sound right, to do it all right. I have never managed to do that. (laughs) But we have that innate need in us, in our humanity, to do that. And so sometimes... When other people hurt us or circumstances are overwhelming, it can be very easy to blame other people, to blame God, to just say, you know, my life is too hard so I can treat people how I want or I can do what I want or I can be what I want. But we can't let those things get in between us and our relationship with God. We can't let bitterness and unforgiveness separate us. It's where it's hard. We have to be honest and truthful with God and with other people about where we are and what we feel and what we're thinking so that we can go on a journey of rooting out those things that are hindering us. And this is Important because we need to build up our spirit to be able to do these things. And so, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything 
except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world, or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified Jesus. So this is talking about, if in that situation of the betrayal and Rome and all of that stuff coming together, the disciples, the Pharisees, that created this culmination of Jesus dying on the cross, that... If it was truly understood by everybody, then they would have done everything they could have done to stop it. Because they would have kept Jesus from rising up in his glory. And they wouldn't have crucified him. That is what the scriptures mean. When they say, and this is him quoting Isaiah, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. All of you in here today, all of you are loved by God. And so this scripture applies to you. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except by God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things that God freely gives to us. So this is the good part of this heavy, difficult thing that I'm talking about today. We need to get to the very center of who we are that God has for us peace, joy, hope, and a future. God has a future for you. And these things, peace, joy, and hope, are things that as humans we all desperately need every day. And when we get to that place of being in that relationship with Jesus, that is possible. Even in the middle of crazy, difficult circumstances, you can have peace, joy, hope, and a future. So, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, here's a couple things that we can do, and I'm going to come back to this a little bit later as well. The first one is, decide if you truly want to surrender. God gave you a free will. You get to decide how you live your life. You can make choices that aren't healthy for you. You can make choices, any kind of number of choices. But the choice that God wants us to make, that ugly cry surrender, (laughs) 
That ugly Christ surrender leads to the good stuff. That's where you tap into the supernatural part of who God is. The supernatural joy, peace, hope. And so we got to get to that place where we want to truly surrender everything. And if we decide this, we need to ask God's forgiveness for choosing your own plan above his. I did that. I chose my own plan above his and then surrendered and chose to obey him and changed my entire life. <laughs> so we need to ask God's forgiveness for choosing our plan above his. And then we need to repent of any sin. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up so easily, and let us run with endurance the race that has set before us. This is such a visual thing, right? So he's talking about sin trips us up, and then he talks about it being a race. So if you're in a race, what is the last thing you want to do? Trip, <laughs> right? And sometimes we get to see those wonderful ones where the person trips and falls, and then they get up, and then they win anyway. <laughs> but that's everyone's worst nightmare in, in the Olympics or other race is to trip and fall. And... And Hebrews is talking about sin is that thing that can make us trip and fall and make our race so much more difficult than it needs to be. And so I wanted you to think today about what kind of things are tripping you up. Is it disobedience, which is lack of surrender? Is it pornography? Is it selfishness? Is it allowing bitterness or unforgiveness? into your heart. So, bitterness and unforgiveness gets in between us and God and us and other people and doesn't allow us to fulfill what Jesus said was the greatest thing, right? Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as you would yourself. If we're full of bitterness and unforgiveness, we can't do that. It doesn't work. And so we need to allow that we need to let go of it. We can't honor Jesus' pain and suffering, the sacrifice. We can honor it by coming to that place of salvation, of recognizing that he came to life here on earth and died on the cross for every human sin. And that when we say, Jesus, I recognize that I have done things that have made my life difficult, made other lives other people's life difficult, and have separated me from you, when we say that prayer, Jesus, come into my life, make me new, we are honoring Jesus' sacrifice. And when we surrender fully, like I was talking about, that honors Jesus' sacrifice. So what's another thing that we can do in this process what should we do in response to Jesus recognize that living in a corrupt and sinful world brings pain and part of God's plan to let people come freely meaning they get to choose to come to him that we're not robots 
you must come to me. <laughs> people choose things that hurt other people. And until Jesus comes back and the earth is remade and there's no more sin and no more death, pain and corruption and us having to deal with the effects of sin that we do and sin that other people do, that's a part of our reality. And uh, in Matthew 20, 22, the mother of James and John is asking Jesus to let her son sit in places of honor next to Jesus in heaven. And Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. <laughs> are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. And Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. So this is very similar to what I read first, right? Take this cup from me. So what is this cup? In the Bible, a cup is used literally, like you drink from a cup, and figuratively. And in the figurative sense, it refers also to the content of the cup and the cup itself. And it's used for something that cannot be refused, especially something unpleasant, like God's judgment or afflictions. So Jesus is saying, if you live in this earth, you are going to have to drink a portion of the cup that I drank. There is going to be pain. There is going to be all of these things that are so difficult. And so sometimes just recognizing that that is part of life can bring some peace. It doesn't fix what we're dealing with, but the idea that, you know what, it's not just me that's going through stuff either, it's everybody. Every human on this planet has something very difficult that they're dealing with. So another thing is, choose to believe that your unanswered prayer may be part of God's master plan for your life. And let me expand this a little more, but maybe not just a plan for your life, but the plan for someone else's life. There are prayers that I have prayed for years that I have never seen answered. And when I ask God, why don't you answer it? Because it's a prayer that I feel like could be so easily done and would just not a big deal, right? To me, it's a big deal, but it would not be a big deal for God to answer this prayer. And when I wrestle with that, which I do off and on, God says to me, you don't know what I'm doing by not answering this prayer. You can't see the whole picture. You can't see why this needs to happen this way and not the way you want it to happen. And so I have to, again, at that time, surrender. Okay? Your will be done. Choose to believe that your unanswered prayer may be part of God's plan for you. Theologian John Howard, John Howard Yoder wrote, Here at the cross is the man who loves his enemy, the man whose righteousness is greater than that of the Pharisees, who being rich became poor, who gave his robe to those who took his cloak, who prays for those who despitefully use him. The cross is not a detour or a hurdle in the way of their kingdom, nor, it is, even, nor is it even the way to the kingdom. It is the kingdom come. 
Jesus dying on the cross for us brought heaven to earth. Heaven is God's grace, God's presence, God's love, God's joy, God's peace. Taking over. Jesus' sacrifice allows for that to come to earth, the kingdom of God. Jesus' pain brought the kingdom of God. What might your pain bring? Jesus had to go through pain for something to happen, something that was needed, something that was important, something that was big. Sometimes we have to wrestle and wrangle and deal and live with pain, whether it's mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain, because getting through it is going to bring something. Something good. And when we're in the middle of that pain, it is really hard to see beyond that pain. It's hard to see through it. It's hard to see that there could be life on the other side. It's hard to see that pain can bring something good. But some, often our pain, if we let God do his thing, if we surrender to his will, that pain can bring something beautiful, something eternal. So what might your, pray, your pain bring? How do we do these things? How do we let pain be a part of who we are without it overrunning us? How do we get through life and surrender? Keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Rebecca, can you come up and play, please? What joy can we look to? When we are dealing with pain or bitterness or unforgiveness or betrayal of friends or any number of things that are so heavy and difficult to deal with, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He can be our example. He can be our truth. He can be our God, God that came to earth to understand what it feels like to be human. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and focus on him, we will make it on our journey. If you are out in the wilderness and you're heading in a direction and you can see a mountain or something that you can keep your eyes on and you just keep going towards that mountain, you will make it. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He wants you to get to the end of your race successfully. He wants you to make it to the end of your race with joy, with peace, with hope. He wants you to be able to run this race well. And so that we can all stand before him one day and he can say, Good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Good job, my son. Good job, my daughter. Come into my presence. Be with me for eternity. Some of you need to consider this week. 
what would happen if the Father answered your prayer? Do we need to keep asking God to fix something that he hasn't fixed? It's okay to keep asking. But is our priority asking or is our priority surrendering? And some of you, I think, need to wrestle with that this week. Have you fully surrendered? And if you don't do that, are you going to miss something incredible? Jesus, by going through the pain, experienced something incredible. And that continues to play out and will culminate in this beautiful time of us reuniting with him in spirit and in body when he comes back to this earth. Would you miss out on something temporary for something eternal if Jesus answers your prayer? Would you miss out on what God has for you and what God created for you? I, like I said earlier, was headed on a path going a certain direction and God interrupted me. And I changed course. And since that time, the adventures that I have had, the places I have seen, the people I have met, the things I have experienced are beyond what I ever imagined. It has not been easy. <laughs> it's been difficult. It's been hard. There's been a lot of ugly cries. <laughs> but I would not trade what I do. I would not trade the calling that God has put on my life for anything. There's no way I would go back to what I wanted to do before. Kingdom of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here in this room. And God has made a way for you to come unhindered into his presence. He allowed Jesus to experience Gethsemane, the crushing, for you. So you can live your best life. So I want to give us an opportunity to pray today. There's lots of room up here in the altar. You can come up for any reason and spend time praying. And I would ask that if you don't come up, that if you're going to talk, do it quietly, move to the back so that if people are praying up here, that they can focus. You can come up for any reason that the Holy Spirit might be telling you to pray about. But specifically, I want to call for anyone here today that is not saved, who has not asked Jesus to forgive them of their sin and come into their life and make them new. To follow Jesus, to have an opportunity to live your best life, to tap into the grace and joy and peace and hope that God has for you. If you haven't had that moment, please come up. We'll pray with you through that. If you've already done that and yet there has been some sort of sin or something that has been keeping you back, some of the things I listed earlier, or maybe you haven't fully surrendered to God, whatever it is, I also want you to come to the front. You can kneel, you can stand, and people will come and pray for you. And again, like I said, any reason, come up and we'll, we'll pray with you. 
So I will close in prayer, and then as I pray, please come up to the front, and then we'll close the service. Jesus, I, as I read this scripture over and over in the last couple weeks, am just so in awe of what you did, what you would go through, what you would choose to do. And just so thankful that even though life is difficult and life is hard, that we have you as an example. That we have you as someone that we can follow to our best life. That we can keep our eyes on you, that you will help us finish this race well. God, I pray for anyone here today that is struggling. God, may your grace abound. May it overflow. Would you bring relief? Would you bring hope? Would you bring peace? Would you bring joy? God, I pray that you would meet each person here today where they're at. That your goodness, your kindness, your unfailing love would flow and affect them in a way that is supernatural. God, this week is maybe we ponder the thought of if God answered that prayer that I've been begging him to answer, what might actually be the result? Do I actually want that answered prayer to be done? And God, if the answer is no, help us to have the strength to fight. Help us to have the strength to continue on when it's difficult and people don't understand. Help us to feel you close. Help us to know that you are a good God and that you have such good things in store for us and that we can trust you. Be with us this week. Help us to see you in everything. 